There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to the Calm You podcast. I'm Chloe Brotherbridge, your host. I'm a coach and hypnotherapist and the author of The Anxiety Solution. Welcome. Thank you so much for being with me today. This podcast is really all about helping you to become your calmest and happiest and most confident self. And I'm really excited to share this guest with you today. It's Jada Cesar. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Jaden when we were both speaking on Laura Thomas's podcast last year and Jada is a British model and she's a mental health advocate and she's actually got a master's in child psychotherapy so this woman really knows her stuff and I just think she's an incredible role model. She is always spreading a really positive message and she's working on helping people to be more accepting of themselves. She's promoting diversity and body positivity so I was really excited to speak to her. If you enjoy this podcast episode then I would love it if you would go and leave a review in iTunes or in the iPhone podcast app and it really helps other people to learn about the podcast or if you fancy giving it a share take a little screen grab on your phone and share it on Instagram or on another social media or send it to a friend. I would really really appreciate your support so please enjoy this interview with Jada Cesar. So welcome, Jada. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. How's it going? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Really good. Um, so for people that don't perhaps know you or um, what you do, can you tell us what you do and how you got how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, so I'm just your average girl. <laughs> I was doing a master's in child psychology and accidentally fell into modelling because I was working with a lot of children and young adults that had eating disorders and body dysmorphia and low self-esteem and confidence and realized that some of it had been triggered and stemmed from the fact that there was just a lack of diversity in the media and at that time Instagram had come around so I got online and just started campaigning and putting images myself up showing that girls of all sizes can look and feel great and off the back of that I was asked to be the face of the first ever plus size show during London Fashion Week and continue to talk about the importance of mental health and mental wellness and parallel to that I was signed to a modeling agency and was working as a plus-size model in New York and around the world but continued to talk about mental health and so that then started to gain momentum and um, and now we're here. (laughs) 
brilliant yeah and you're doing such amazing work you've done things like run the marathon and yeah. always see amazing things are you still running after that or did it did it put you off oh well I actually sprained my ankle which oh. was so annoying because and it was so ironic because I was giving a talk at a festival with Lululemon and I was walking into the event and on my and was not concentrating I was on my phone worried about social media oh no I was actually answering an email and um I buckled because I missed a step because I wasn't present and just wanted to like hit myself in the head because I was like why did I do oh. this and had to go and give the talk with one shoe on oh no um, about how I ran a marathon but clearly can't walk down some stairs oh so I'm, I'm currently just taking it easy I'm just resting up my sprained ankle but um doing yoga instead yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Rest that ankle. Um, I'm interested to know about how you how you started to work in kind of mental health and what kind of got you interested in that because you have a master's in, is it child psychotherapy? Yeah, that's right. Um, so I think I've always had a real interest in human behaviour, human psychology, what motivates us to do certain things and Growing up, I'd always worked with children. So from the age of 15, I'd worked in after school clubs or summer schools and just really loved the environment and how you can have such an effect on young people, a positive effect. And um, and so I guess I went on to do a degree in psychology and counselling. Um, but again, still just had a real, I uh, just gravitated towards children because I just felt like, you can really, if you get them at the right time and you can plant a little seed in their head and it can blossom into this incredible flower garden of possibilities. And so I went on to specialise in child psychotherapy particularly um, and just still try to integrate that with the work that I do today through modelling and through my social media platforms where I try to share the kind of messages that I wish I had heard when I was growing up. Yeah, amazing. Because... I think as children, we're so receptive to things, aren't we? And we take on board all of these messages at a young age. And it almost feels like by the time you're in your 20s or 30s and you've got anxiety or depression or something, and it it can seem as if you've had these habits for so long or these beliefs for so long. Mm. And if we could, you know, catch catch that younger, we'd have maybe a better chance of um, helping people to have better mental health. And I think most of the time it's a case of like even just coping strategies. It's We just go back to what's been ingrained into us or what our families have done and taught us previously or what maybe our friends are doing or even just our own subconscious defense mechanisms. And they're not always the right way of dealing with things. And if only there was like a handbook to life or, you know, most of the time or some of the time we have really great interventions or role models like teachers or maybe certain celebrities that we look up to or voices of reason and we try and pull pieces of what they do and take that on board to sort of cope with certain things or try and live a better life but I think it's so easy if we don't have those to just fall back into the kind of things that we've been taught as children Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily the right toolkit to have And, and you know I always try to look at things that try to share the things that I've sort of picked up along the way and the toolkit I've put together for myself and um try and help other people do the same yeah amazing Uh, when when you said role models there I was just thinking about 
kind of the TV shows that we watched growing up. So when I was kind of a, I don't know, 13 or something, the OC was on. I don't know how old yeah, you are, Jada, but yeah, the no, main I... character, um, Marissa, I think she's like a drug addict. She's like very, very skinny. She's like um, not kind of great role model. And yet I found myself at kind of 14 or something kind of comparing myself to this character on a TV yeah. show. And she is kind of the kind of what you want to, attain somehow and I mean what do you think of that sort of thing do you think tv and media has a big role to play in yeah I think in a way we were kind of lucky when we were growing up because it was just tv and I mean like when I would look at it I think one of my tv role models or show role models was like and I always say this was Angelina Jolie because she was a bit of a tomboy I'm a bit of a tomboy I really loved adventures and when I watched her in Tomb Raider and found out she did all of her own stunts I was like whoa I want to be like her she's so cool yeah um and then I'd watch like the Oprah show and I really loved the way she connected with her audience and would ask them questions and be really inclusive and also tackle really difficult issues but ones that we all faced Mm. um and so, you know, when I'm young and watching these, I didn't really think of it like that. But looking back, I was like, oh, I really love those characteristics. Whereas now I think it's hard because it's you can find there's just so much of everything. And online, it's determining, it's determining, 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 getting it all wrong. It's all right. <laughs> um, it's like trying to configure what's real and what's not and how authentic these characters are and and. I always take it with a pinch of salt, but then sometimes find myself really engrossed in this online role model um, that I have to tell myself pull back because it's a good brand or it's a strong message, but it's not wholeheartedly who they are necessarily. It's just, you know, the same way Oprah probably isn't this perfect, all-knowing woman. Like there's probably faults within that too. And so although I'm, I'm always looking at the positives I think we should always realize that you know these people are human too mm. and um take what will we want from it and what can help us to be the best version of ourselves and um and appreciate them for what they are um because I think a lot of the time when we think about role models is this idolized perfect version um and then that can put a lot of pressure on ourselves to just be this perfect all-knowing person all the time and um, what I love and some of my favorite role models are the ones that also show the other side of things. Like there's some great plus size models out there like Sunny Turner, who, although she's a gorgeous, beautiful plus size model, she'll also put up the unflattering images and be like, this is who I am too. Or this is my skin without all this makeup. Um, and so that's kind of what I try to integrate into my work as well when I talk about how like I want to be mindful or I want to practice being centered but at the same time I'm a work in progress too and I want my audience to come or my fans or my followers to come on that journey with me the same with like the marathon like I'm not a runner I don't even I eat croissants <laughs> when I'm doing my half marathon because that will keep me going and it's probably not it's not a long-term solution or sustainable but I'm figuring it out and I think that's more relatable and that's more approachable and I think you can really connect with more people like that when you're just quite honest. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, why do we do that? Why do we kind of, I don't know, project this idea of perfection onto people? Because mm-hmm. we do look at an image and we think, oh, they must have it all together. You know, their life must be perfect. And we don't, we don't kind of often realise that people are just 
flawed human beings and going to make mistakes. And even if they look a certain way, it doesn't mean they've got all their shit together. Yeah, I think it's... Um... I recently read a really great book by an author called Brene Brown, which is called The Power of Vulnerability. I don't know if you've read it. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's brilliant. And it's like one of the ones that I always buy for my friends and hand it to them. And they're like, you have to read this because I think we're just scared of putting ourselves on the line and not knowing how people are going to view us and the kind of repercussions of not having it all together all the time. And that's it's just so normal and I think again mental health and the taboo around that is a part of that conversation too because we don't always have our shit together we're not always on top of the world or on top of our game or want to wake up in the morning and I think it's knowing that other people going through that can allow us to also have the permission to feel like that too and so I'll talk about a really good friend of mine Bryony Gordon who talks about mental health and who I ran the marathon with, and she does it superbly where she'll be so brutally honest about actually, you know, she's just started sobriety and, well, not started, she's been doing it for a year now, and she'll wake up in the morning and talk about how it's really difficult for her. And I think it's those conversations that people almost, it sounds dirty and nasty and, like, unpleasant to hear, but I think it's it's needed. It's to, at the moment, I think, just... everything just seems too perfect and too nice and there's and the stuff that in the news and stuff that we want to avoid are the things that are too heavy but there's balance within that and I think we need to hear it in order to and we need to speak it in order to give us permission to feel it and speak Mm, it too totally I think people are really thirsty for that sort of vulnerability Mm. and that um openness and I mean what I found I, I do kind of quite often workshops where we'll all be sitting in a circle talking about anxiety and what I've learned from that is that we all feel the same way we all get scared sometimes we all you know worry about what people think of us we all are scared of failing you know we have worries about the future and you know obviously there are so many differences and there's a whole continuum of mental health but when you get down to it being it's about being human and the things that we all kind of struggle with I think Absolutely. I went on this incredible trip with Bumble recently, um, which is the dating app, but fundamentally their ethos is all about respect, equality and kindness. And we got taken away on this trip and we were all sitting around a table at dinner one evening. And after we had the lovely meal, the leader of the group proposed that we all talk about something that we wish for in the future. And it can be anything, but it needs to be honest. And so we had people around the table that were saying, oh, do I need to say it out loud? Can I just write it in? Because we had these little wish boats that we were going to write in and set it into the ocean. Can I just write it? Do I have to tell you all about it? And we were like, no, but we encourage you to speak it. Um, And people were so honest, like unbelievably just sharing a piece themselves and essentially we were all strangers we were Mm. I think 12 girls from all different parts of the country and um and some people were saying you know I wish I was more confident within my body but that was such a big thing to actually verbalize and say to a group and um just you know it was so powerful being able to speak it in a room full of strangers essentially and be honest with yourself because I think it's so confronting and almost 
like a massive realization that actually it's something that you want Mm. like you can say it to a group of strangers but it's also as if you were saying it to yourself in a mirror which can be so frightening um but so powerful amazing and I think speaking of Brene Brown she thinks she has a saying in one of her books shame can't survive being spoken I love that it's so good isn't it so much yeah I love it because I often talk about uh, I was just I don't know having a conversation about like uh just like domestic violence and and abuse and how you know predators prey on people that often have low self-esteem and that won't go on to talk about what's going on and and how things just don't seem right and they they pride themselves on the fact that they can control that and know that you won't go on to expose what's the behavior that's and the dynamics that's not positive between you Mm -hmm. both and um but but only speaking about it and saying and questioning it with somebody else and having maybe your family or friends confront you about this and say that that's not right can just change the whole dynamics and can change the future of where things could go um and so I was just saying how it's so powerful to just speak out and not let that shame eat you apart because it will just become a bigger darker hole that will be harder to crawl out from absolutely I think that's I think that's part of what makes therapy so powerful and what makes kind of I don't know sharing circles so powerful that you you say the thing that you're ashamed of or the thing that you're scared Mm -hmm. to even admit to yourself um and being met with acceptance by other people is very healing I think and or acceptance by your therapist or just sometimes just hearing yourself say it back you're you're able to get a different perspective on it yeah Um, definitely and yeah. I imagine, yeah, if you were, if you were a child having psychotherapy to have, to have sort of therapy as a child, I imagine that is, um, yeah. wonder what, I don't know what it's like in America. I feel like in America, they have a lot more therapy than we do in the UK, but yeah. Do you think all children should have therapy or is it, should it become more acceptable? What's your take um, on that? I mean, I really think that the stigma of therapy should be squashed, but I also think that the idea of therapy is something that well my take on it is is just listening and be listened to and I think that a lot of the time that's a skill that we can just all have with each other and it doesn't necessarily require a certain trained therapist in order to do that and I think that our communities and the values within the idea of a community is slowly just diminishing which is um something I want to restore and something that I try to to encompass within my work and hope that and and often I find myself with people that are like that like my my friendship circles are very much caring considerate and people that would listen um and I think that you can find that within like online and Mm. within people that you find through like-minded groups um so there is a space for therapy but I think we can also just incorporate that into our everyday lives which isn't you know if there is problems it's you do sometimes need a qualified therapist, but also your friends can be there for you and your family can be there for you. And I always think as well, like if somebody's going through something, I, I always say to like my brother, if you ever felt some way, I want you to tell me about it. Like you're not burdening me. I love you so much that I would want to know. Mm-hmm. And I think people often on the other end think, I don't want to put that pressure on you or whatever, but actually we're here. And I, and you'd be and it's remarkable 
how many people are here for you when you do want to talk about your problems that's so true I think I have a thing with a couple of my best friends where we ask each other how we are when we're catching up and Mm. then I might ask my friend now how are you really and then they start to open up and then they say actually this is going on I'm feeling this and I think sometimes people don't open up on the first kind of ask because people don't want to impose themselves on their friend or kind of I don't know bring them down or something but actually asking the question twice and saying actually how are you really doing and just sort of delving a bit further often will get people to open up and yeah um I think it's definitely worth worth doing that and knowing that other people care yeah Yeah, breaking that cycle of actually I do want to listen I am present I am here for you um not just that stranger in the street that you're passing by and it's just a smile and a wave and and I'm okay how are you and that common courtesy yeah, yeah. people actually do care and and, are, and I think asking the question twice is a brilliant way of mm. reminding mm. people that you are there for them mm. yeah. yeah yeah you mentioned about um I don't know like a handbook for life um mm. but if you were going to sort of give advice to a young person who was who's you know just kind of developing their mindset and maybe feeling overwhelmed what Mm. advice would you give them what what would you say to them or how would you reassure them do you think oh god I could be here forever yeah Um, three hours you've got three hours to tell me I just think um just be confident in your decision and and talk to yourself as if you were talking to your future child. I, that always really helps me. Like sometimes the way I, I will talk to myself in a mirror or I'd wake up and think, I can't do this. It's like, actually, if my, my future daughter came to me and said, I just look disgusting today or I'm, I'm ugly or something, I'd say, no, you're not. You're beautiful. And it's sometimes nurturing our inner child that is really helpful because you know what's right and what's wrong um, and what's right to say and and what's not appropriate. Uh, Also, I'd say, look at who's in your, in your boat, in your inner circle, in your immediate kind of world. And if they're not serving you or if it's not healthy for you, let that relationship go. Um, You know, it's better to be on your own and be okay in your own company than to have people that are, of a detriment or a toxic around you and you just have them there for company's sake um because you know a lot of the time when you're when you're a kid you can just grow up and have these social circles that aren't great for you but you're there because you don't want to be your a weirdo that goes to the library by themselves or whatever but actually you know that that doesn't matter because the right people will step into your life and you need to make space for that Mm. so yeah and also I think because my nieces went my one of my nieces just went through her GCSEs and got her results back that do do your best but also it's not the end of the world if you don't get what you want um you know you don't put so much pressure on these numbers they don't define you and you know you have so much more to offer than just these curriculum grades and um just nurture what you love um yeah because sometimes we can get so overwhelmed with like I remember when I was a kid just the grades and the pressures of pleasing family or just trying to be perfect all the time and Mm. it's just it doesn't really matter that much I've got a degree and and a master's and I'm not really doing 
anything with it at the moment. Um, yeah. And yeah. when I was younger, I definitely didn't know that that's what I wanted to do. I didn't have it all figured out at 14. And I just don't think you do. So don't put that pressure on yourself. I love those tips. It's so true, isn't it? GCSEs at the time seemed like such a big deal. But then you get to 32 and no one cares yeah, what GCSEs you got. And I don't use my degree for what I'm doing now. I studied nutrition. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's not it's not as big a deal as it seems at the time. I think that can be applied to a lot of, a lot of things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you about rejection and kind of fear of failure and things because Mm -hmm. I don't know if you you often hear about models experiencing rejection and that sort of thing Mm and um I've been thinking about it a lot because I learned recently that um rejection affects the same kind of neural pathways as physical pain and that's why Mm -hmm. it kind of hurts so much it's almost um affects us in the same way as a physical kind of um affliction So I don't know if you have experienced anything yeah. around rejection, how you handle it, you know, what your take on that is. Yeah, it's interesting that you say it connects to physical pain, because I remember reading up a study on it was a study on mice and how um, and how this relates to breakups. And so you can take when you're in a relationship with someone like a really connected relationship. When you break up, it can almost feel like a death and a part of you has died and when there was a when there was um, a study with mice that were with their mother twenty four seven, they would develop very healthily, and yet when they took the mother away, but gave them say the light that they needed or the the warmth that they needed, and it was all artificial and like the food that they needed at a certain time, but took took it everything else away, but just gave them say the food at the certain time that they needed it. Actually, although they were getting all their needs met, it still wasn't having that full thing available to them Mm. so they didn't develop as well and actually I think some of them died and and it was just a really interesting study to show that you can you can't like having you can't have this man-made love you can't have something that isn't that all your needs are met by I don't know maybe you get that gratification from work and you're you're eating well you need something that's wholehearted and real and when you don't have it it, it, you don't develop as well. Mm. Um, so that's really interesting. In regards to rejection, yeah, I, I mean, I think the older I get, the less I care about it. Um, but I think that's because you go through rejection and the fear of it the same way you can go through, say, a breakup, and you realize that actually I come out of this and I can get through it. The clouds will pass. You've learned so much about the situation, what you're capable of, how resilient you really actually are, which can be scary when you first go into it because you don't know what is is coming. It's so unknown and you don't know how you're going to react. But um, I think the older you get, those kind of things can matter less, I'd say, Mm. in my experience so far. Yeah, I think you're so right about a kind of learning from experiences and knowing that you can get through it and handle it. Mm-hmm. I've had a few friends go through kind of big breakups recently and, you know, they've been able to, you know, come out the other side, even though they felt like, you know, it's like someone died, you know, if yeah. you're kind of breaking up with someone that you've been with for 10 years or something. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a grief period, but at the end of it, you know, learning how strong they are and how they can get through things, and it, it gives you a lot of confidence. So, um, so I think, yeah, trying to hold on to that idea, if you're scared of getting rejected, that you're going to get through it and you're going to come out stronger the other side. Yeah, 
I think in the nature of my work as a model, maybe that's also why it's kind of hardened me a little bit because for the last six years, it's been a case of going to castings and you never know what's going to happen. And I think that also took me a long time to get my head around coming from a really psychotherapeutic background where it's, you know, you have to practice with your tutors and your lecturers and your fellow colleagues to be mindful and to be really considerate and be very aware of all the interpersonal skills that are going on. Whereas then moving into the modeling aspect, it was very much you walk into a room, you be nice to everyone, they're nice to you and you go away and you may or may not have got a job. And at first I would question a lot about, well, is it because my hair was like this or is it because maybe I wore the wrong thing or maybe I don't look great today or, and all of these things. And actually after a while, once because of my job, you have to kind of take care of your skin and, and do all of these things. I then realized actually it's nothing to do with me as a product. It's, you know, maybe they, you weren't right for their season or maybe like there was all these other things that kind of came into play. And then after I got over that, I think a few years in, I was like, you know what? it is what it is. This is who I am. And, and it took me a while to get there, but I just thought, you know what, this is who I am. And if, and if it's something, if I get the job from being a size 16 and with brown hair and looking the way I am, then that's great. And if I don't, then that's fine too, because it's out of my control. And I think a lot of the time it helps to realize that someone else's opinion isn't something that you can control and you need to let them come to their own conclusion on that and just be, and be okay with that and just look at the things that are within your control and and you know when you do think like that it it actually feels like you've released a lot you've let a lot go because you're not burdened by trying to please everyone and trying to get um affirmation from other people you can do it for yourself I love that idea of remembering that we can't control what other people think of us. I think that's such a powerful thing to remember. Because if you're, you know, if you're trying to be, I don't know, perfect in the eyes of everyone, you'd have to be, you know, seven billion different people, I think. And that's yeah. completely impossible. You're never going yeah. to be able to please everyone. And that sounds always, like such a, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I always, that's such a good point, because I would always say, if I had to please everybody, I would become such a watered down, diluted version of who I am. Mm. And I wouldn't even know what I even stood for, let alone what I wanted to dress like or who I cared about or what I cared about. And um, I just always think if you stand for nothing, you have to stand for something. If you don't, then you stand for nothing. Mm. And that's, mm. a, that's quite a scary place for me to be because then it's like, who are you? You don't yeah. know who you are. So you just have to have confidence in knowing that the right people will come to you that are for you and who you are right now is perfect the way it is yeah that's beautiful um I remember reading something recently about how you should go on Amazon and find your favorite author and read the reviews and realize that some of some people hate that author or hate that book that's your favorite book and even though you know it might be the best book in the world they're still going to be some people that it just wasn't for them and oh, yeah. it can just remind you that actually you know, nothing is going to please everyone all the time and you just got to be yourself and do your best. It's so true. It's so true. And you have to have confidence in what you love and your opinion. It's, you know, some of the films that I've watched, I've been like, whoa, that was such a cool film. Like I left feeling so energized and inspired by it. And then you go on somewhere like Rotten Tomatoes and it's had like 2.5 out of 10. And you're like, how? (laughs) And, And you're like, no, you're 
know, I'm going to walk away and I'm still going to hold the idea yeah. in my head that it was perfect. And I think people remember, you know, how you make them feel, not what you say or do. And, mm. and that's what's important to me. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about what about body positivity? Because I feel like that's still a massive topic, isn't it? And yet I feel like it's the kind of the essence of it has been a bit lost. I don't know what your thoughts on, I mean, how do you define kind of body positivity and what's your opinion on where it's going at the moment? Um, I feel like it's evolved so much since I started talking about it almost seven years ago. Mm. Body positivity then was very much about including women that were alienated from society, that were like a size 20 upwards, and that we would never see on the front cover of any magazine. Recently, um, Tess Holiday was on the cover of, I think, Glamour or Cosmo. Yeah. And that was revolutionary yeah. and incredible. And I think it gave permission for other girls that may be underrepresented or larger to feel okay with who they are. And I think that's important because, um, you know, if you don't see yourself represented, then you almost feel that you're a monster and you're an alien and you you shouldn't, you know, you're not worth that representation. So um, I feel like body diversity back then was all about that. Mm. Now I think it's evolved into loads of different things from, you know, loving stretch marks and spots and all those imperfections to loving um you know your body after having a child it's it's just there's so many different avenues that's kind of come off of that and then it even goes into just the idea of somebody that might look perfect but actually doesn't feel it and they still talk about it like um there was a model who was quite you know she I think she's walked on incredible catwalks I think she's done some brilliant magazine covers and in her mind, she said, I still don't feel great. And I think that's a part of being body positive, because although it's not in the beginning, it was something quite different. And, you know, it was a certain subculture of people talking. Now it's everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about how we don't feel great because of like more so, I think the way we are being advertised to and in turn pointing that out has changed the way advertisement has gone and it's way more humanistic now it's very inclusive and I really hope that this isn't a phase because this should be the norm mm. because we all want to see ourselves out there and we essentially will buy into something that we can relate to rather than aspire to which is where it's changed um and body positive body positivity for me is self-work constant self-work and constant self-love and it's about loving yourself the way you are right now and if you look like you know this perfect perfect in inverted commas idea of what is you know in right now is a trend so trends change and again I'll go back to talking about how if you constantly move with a trend you will become a diluted version of yourself. So mm. I think body positivity came off the back of me saying, be okay with yourself right now. And um, I think that was really powerful because it's just being at peace and not aspiring for this idea of perfection because it doesn't exist. And that took a long time for me to get my head around and actually realize that it 
was a journey and it still is a journey and it's not just about my body it's about every aspect of my life it's about my mental health it's about the internal and external and um yeah just an all-round positivity and all-round self-love attitude thank you for that I think it's such a yeah such an interesting issue and it's still evolving and it's going to be you know so interesting to see how hopefully we can as a kind of species be more accepting of ourselves and of each other and that there's different ways to be beautiful and it doesn't have to be a certain way um Mm. I like what you said about it being kind of a I don't know what the words you use were but kind of a ongoing process of self-love because I think again with self-love often we think we need to reach this attainment Mm. of self-love like once we love ourselves then we We'll, we'll have this kind of perfect relationship with ourselves and but actually it, yeah. it's something that goes up and down I think like I don't love myself all the time it goes up yeah. and down and it's always a process and it's always you have to keep working at it so yeah um how do you have any kind of I mean what do you do to kind of for that process how do you how yeah. do you love yourself or how do you kind of try to improve that it's definitely a process and it's definitely a practice and it's something that I didn't know how to do when I was growing up necessarily. I think um, it's not something that I was taught, for example, gratitude journals. That wasn't something that I was taught to do when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just be kind to the way you talk to, to yourself. That wasn't something that was told, but it was something that I had to consciously realize to do and realize when I don't do it, how I felt, um, it's, you know, going to yoga and working out. And I always say this working out for the effects it has on my body, not for the body I want to attain. So working like yoga really centers me. And I absolutely love just going to a a late night hot yoga class at fierce grace surrounded by candles in the darkness. So no one can tell if I'm not doing the exercise properly because most of the time I'm really stiff and probably don't. And just being able to sweat out any stress or anxiety I might have accumulated that week. Um, that's another practice of mine. Also realizing that the people that you surround yourself, you absorb the most energy from. And so I just try to be as positive with those relationships as possible and give off what, I want how the kind of energy that I would want to be receive be receiving um uh, yeah mindfulness the hot word of the year but it's true it's being present and um and I notice that I do that a lot when I'm with my family I'm quite when I've got a group of my um, family or my nieces and nephews around we're just there we're in the moment and we're not chatting about anything particular but we're laughing and I and I remember when um I sprained my ankle and everyone came over and my mum was cooking and my nieces were talking about something and my sister was laughing about something else and I was like I'm just present I'm in the moment and there's nowhere else I'd want want to be at that point and it just gave me that really comforting sense of relaxation um which doesn't always happen you know sometimes when you're with your family it can be really chaotic and you just want to check out but at that moment that's what mindfulness was for me just being there and going for a run really helps just Mm. plugging in my headphones not giving myself a time or a pace that I need to be running on just going with it and it feels quite meditative to just 
be running along and and then coming back a lot of the time the problems that I had in the beginning kind of diffused and have been sweated out yeah um, yeah there's some of my practice even just having a hot bath it could be as simple as that if you're not into fitness a hot bubble bath with a dim light and all of these things are um there was a really good saying that I read recently was um something along the lines of the most important person is who you are when you're by yourself and who are you in that space Mm -hmm. and how do you feel um and that's like a little bit of self-love just having that bath running that bath for yourself doing your nails uh putting in a hair mask um it's what you can do for you the same way that it's what you say to you can have an effect um, and all of these things really go unnoticed, I think, a lot of the time. Like, we don't realize how powerful they really are until you write a list of all the things that you've done for yourself this week or the list of things that you haven't done. And I think that's when it can all pile up, when actually you haven't done anything for yourself. Mm. Jada Pinkett gave an incredible speech about how self-love isn't selfish and how she needs to look after herself in order to be the best version for her children. And I remember watching that like nodding <laughs> frantically because I was like this is so true because yeah yeah you have to fill up your own cup before you can fill up anyone else's I love those ideas thanks for that I reckon for people listening this could be a bit of a challenge for people to 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 try to reflect back on the week that you've had and to think about what have you done for yourself and yeah. to recognize if there are days where you've just been so busy you haven't had a lunch break or You've yeah. overcommitted yourself in the evening and um, maybe try to schedule some things in for the next week and to kind of review it. I think that is the challenge. It, the resetting. So mm. it really is. Um, but it's so important. It's the same. And it's so important for your mental well-being. It's the same way you'll go to the gym yeah. and you'll make that a priority. Or you know what? You'd make a priority that you would make other people happy and you, I don't know, pack you know you'd you'd make it on your uniform for your little kid all nice and organized or you know you'd make sure your partner or whatever came home and had a nice dinner and all of these kind of ideas but it's you know it's not selfish to look after yourself and it can just be the little thing of you know I want to read my book 10 minutes before bed I'm gonna do that for myself or I'm just gonna go to bed early tonight because I never sleep Um, Mm. and all of these things are things that I often have to remind myself to do but I think before it was having that permission to do it, knowing that it was okay to do it, that was the big thing to get my head around. Actually, I need to do more of this for myself. And that's not selfish. It's not, you know, there's no um, praise in being a martyr for everybody and just putting everyone before yourself, your family and friends and whatnot. Is You have to do that for yourself too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, what happens when you don't look after yourself is you burn out or you get really resentful if you're constantly doing things for other people. Yeah. At some point, you're going to explode. It's only normal. Yeah. So um, it is actually better for everyone if we just take care of ourselves first. Yeah, and it's and it's it's okay <laughs> to do that. It's mm. okay. Mm. We have to. I had my first bath of the season last night. I was so happy. Oh. I was putting literally everything in there. I put like five different oils and Epsom okay. salts. I was like. But yeah. I'm going to really go for it. And it was so, so yeah. good. Oh, wicked. That sounds, I want a bath now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that sounds so good. Oh. Well, um, I've loved talking to you. Thank you so much for all that you've shared and um, for being so lovely. And yeah, I, I love 
following you on Instagram and the positive message that you're always sharing and what an amazing role model you are. So thanks for everything that you do. Thank you for inviting me. Chloe, you're the greatest. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell us um, where where people can find out more about you and anything else that you're kind of up to at the moment? Um, Yep, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Jada Cesar, J-A-D-A-S-E-Z-E-R. Um, I'm actually working on a podcast myself. So Chloe, I'm going to need all your great tips and tricks on how you do it and make it seem so seamless. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that should be coming out due to be released at the end of October. So keep your eyes peeled. Um, And yeah, just trying to work on that self-love and how it's a constant journey and just continue to share that journey with everybody else. Amazing. And do you have a name for the podcast yet? Is it it's finalised? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it will be announced. It will be everywhere. I'll be spamming you all. Perfect. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, hopefully see you soon. Oh, you too. Take care. Enjoy those barbs. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.